Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Welcome to the Compliance Divas podcast. This is Linda Harvey, and I'll be serving as your moderator this episode. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance for your regulatory world to make your world easier to manage. You can find all of our information at the compliancedivas.com website, and all of our resources from today's podcast will be listed there as well. Please feel free to submit any questions to the support to support at compliancedivas.com. This is exciting because this week's episode is a follow-up with late-breaking information from the OSAP annual conference that the three of the divas attended last month. Now, in case you're wondering what OSAP is, that's the Organization for Safety, Asepsis, and Prevention. This marked their first in-person annual conference since 2019 due to the pandemic. And you may recall that the divas interviewed OSAP Director Michelle Lee in episode number 36. So please be sure to check out that episode if you'd like to learn more about OSAP indirectly and directly from Michelle. So as I mentioned previously, this episode is particularly important for your practice because like everything else in dentistry, infection control is rapidly changing. When you think about dentistry's transformation, you can't help but think about dentistry in a day, artificial intelligence, text-to-pay, teledentistry, and those are just a few examples of how technology is changing and has changed dentistry. And it is touching in the area of infection control as well. So what's new and exciting in infection control and standards? Let's talk to the divas to get some additional information. Leslie, can I call on you first? I know you attended a great program on uh, surveying and when outside surveyors come into your practice or organization to take a look and, and review your safety standards. So tell us a little bit about that, please. Organizations with dental clinics, and particularly if they're connected to medical clinics or hospitals, are uh, subject to joint commissions oversight. And I've always found that to be a bit mysterious. So I was very curious uh, to find out more from OSEP when they had people on their agenda to speak with us about joint commissions and, and surveying infection prevention in a dental clinic. So I thought, well, not only can that help for uh, individuals that actually are subject to joint commissions and dental facilities where they uh, need to prepare for that uh, audit, but also would be helpful for dental practices in general. So the session that was uh, led by a stand-in, Diane Cullen was supposed to present, but Sylvia Hutchins stood in on her behalf due to a last-minute change. I listened to that, and I was really surprised to find out how much information really is uh, accessible and available to everybody. And uh, one of the things that, that they uh, stress is that the Joint Commission's uh, really, they want you to be prepared and they offer tools that you can use to help you ensure that your survey is successful. And the program reviewed the infection control standards uh, to provide an understanding of what's required by joint commissions. And they spent some time talking about um, how some of the high-risk processes, such as instrument reprocessing and sterilization, can be a big, gigantic, uh, I guess you could say demerit, if you will, 
where they provide um, a sort of a score sheet and and uh, there's many different things that are taken into consideration. Uh, the biggest thing that they're looking for is immediate threat to health or safety. And I found that um, the speaker, Ms. Hutchins, talked about the number one breach or the number one flaw that they found was in sterilization and disinfection, that in most cases, that's where facilities fall short. Uh, she said that they fall short a lot of times because uh, they either don't clean instruments properly, which uh, cleaning has to take place before sterilizations, or they don't follow the manufacturer's instructions for use when it comes to processing instruments. And I think when I uh, when I visit dental offices, I find that to be a common theme. There's either debris on instruments or uh, individuals are not following manufacturer's directions use for use on reprocessing of that handpiece or of those instruments. And uh, they said that when surveyors come into the organization, uh, what they're looking for is they're looking for uh, making sure that your facility, number one, is safe for the patient. And they look for areas that might be the highest risk to the patient and address those first. A an interesting point that Ms. Hutchins made was that uh, in her time, and she spent about 10 years uh, as a, what she called, a, they call a consultant uh, to joint commissions, that in her time with them, that her highest risk of contamination was in dental team members removing PPE. And that was the biggest harm to themselves, you know, not necessarily to patients, but to themselves. And I thought it was really fun that she shared that what she used was ground up fluorescent chalk. And she put that on a clinical jacket or gown, like a disposable gown. And she would uh, have the team member remove the gown and then take a black light and show where the team member got contaminated from the uh, fluorescent uh, chalk that showed up on them after they removed and disposed of the gown. So uh, again, I thought that uh, surveying infection prevention uh, in dental clinics is particularly if you are working in a facility that is subject to joint commissions oversight, uh, that this was a very interesting session. And it was really great to be able to talk to people uh, whether you're, uh, this particular person was uh, in person at the session, to be able to actually go up to someone and say, hey, you know, I have a question. What does joint commissions think about this? Or, or how should I address that? And so again, OSAP is wonderful at bringing the experts there. The experts that were there online were accessible also by a contact information uh, and email. So again, great information and information that's hard to, to discover on your own. OSEP is wonderful for that. It certainly is, Leslie. I can't echo that enough. So to kind of put a few more pieces to that uh, together for our listeners, when you think about the Joint Commission, it is one of the top surveying bodies in this country for different types of healthcare organizations, particularly hospitals, as well as ambulatory surgery centers and other types of facilities. So Leslie, we've all found that there's many more dental uh, offices and clinics that are affiliated and with healthcare facilities, such as a hospital, or maybe a military base where becoming accredited then becomes required in order to maintain that work relationship and patient um, referrals back and forth. But I'm aware of a number of private practices that have chosen to become accredited in, on their own, either through joint commission or through other accrediting agencies, such as the Accreditation Association for Ambulatory Healthcare. And when a private practice makes that decision, 
they're making that decision to really maintain the highest patient safety standards possible. And in particularly the area that you mentioned, Leslie, infection control. And it just helps the practice to be recognized in the community and across the country for the quality of service and the quality of care that they provide. So that was an outstanding program. I listened to the recording. Barry, I'd like to ask you about outside agencies and organizations. Sometimes we peel back the levels and the layers behind OSHA and HIPAA and all these organizations and agencies. And, and there's just so much more depth than we realize at the private practice level. So did you attend any courses in that area or is there any breakouts that you could share with us? I did. One of the um, breakout sessions that I was particularly interested in was an update on ANSI, ADA, AMI, and ISO standards. And I know I just threw out a whole bunch of alphabet soup out there, so I'll kind of explain that. We in dentistry deal with the EPA and the FDA as certifying um, clearing approval um, agencies for products like disinfectants or devices like um, instruments. But we probably, we collectively in dentistry probably don't have as good of an understanding about what goes into those certification and clearance processes. And what those agencies do is rely on standards, first of all, from um, probably the two most important ones are ANSI, which is the American National Standards Institute, and AMI, it's A-A-M-I is the acronym, and it's the Association for Advancement of Medical Instrumentation. So these are groups that work to um, formulate performance standards and also technical reports about devices, about processes that then manufacturers of products can use when they submit their applications to the Food and Drug Administration, for example, to get clearance as an FDA cleared medical or dental device. Um, the ISO, which is ISO, stands for International Organization for Standards. That's kind of the parent organization for all of these other groups. And the whole purpose of ISO, which is not just in healthcare, it's in any kind of manufacturing, is standardization. And Dr. Shannon Mills, who we hope will be with us for a podcast interview in the future to give us more information about these standards, ISO seeks to standardize um, performance of certain products. And one of the things he mentioned um, that happened um, a number of years ago, a very long time ago, was with something as simple as the coupling from, for a handpiece on a dental unit that they used to be very proprietary. Every single manufacturer had their own coupling that you would attach a handpiece to a dental unit. And part of the, the ISO standards group got the manufacturers to standardize them so that no matter what brand of handpiece you use, you can use it on your dental unit. And we're starting to see more and more of those things happening, not only with dental instruments, handpieces, devices, but also moving into the area of um, 
informatics, meaning our dental software and interoperability um, with x-ray sensors and all of those things. So these groups are working in the background for us all the time to try to make things better. And one of the things that we may see that will impact us in dentistry is a standard that's being looked at right now um, on bottom gap protection for protective eyewear. That's come up, of course, during the COVID pandemic because of spatter and splatter um, that may get up underneath safety glasses. So I think we're going to see going forward a lot more information that's helpful for people to understand why you have to use certain PPE. Does it have that ANSI certification or not? And does it meet these particular standards? So these products go through a lot of testing to meet those standards before they can get those clearances and those certifications. And so again, we're hoping we're going to, we're going to uh, have Dr. Shannon Mills, who is one of the top experts in the country on these standards for dentistry to explain in a little more detail what this means. Thank you, Mary. And I look forward to him joining us on a podcast as well. It's, I think it's so valuable for our listeners to kind of realize that it's not just one thing or two things that we're looking at. We're not just looking at, say, OSHA, for example, and the CDC and state law, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. But when you just peel back the layers, it's sort of the why behind who while we're following these people, uh, you know, and it just really is eye opening to realize there's this whole other world. And it's just all the interconnectedness of all these different agencies and how it plays together for, for patient safety and for employee worker safety as well. Thank you, Mary. Olivia, I know you thoroughly enjoyed this conference as well. Can you tell, share with our listeners what resonated the most with you? Sure, Linda. I, I wanted to mention again, and I think it's worth repeating, that for one, I truly enjoy Dr. Cole Mia's presentation from ADA, but I, I want to focus on some of his content. He talked a lot about some of the generational shifts in, in dentistry which resonated with me uh, like none other. But we see that the ownership trends are going downward, meaning less and less dentists coming out of dental school are going into private practice. They're not purchasing practices. They're not setting up practices. They're gravitating to the DSOs. And we see that the DSOs continue to grow, the dental service organizations. And, and there's multiple reasons for that, which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on during this podcast, which I emphasized last time. But I want to connect this presentation to another, and that being the presentation on creating and living a culture of compliance, which was presented by attorney Michael Williamson and dental assistant Sherry Landis and Stephanie Oxford. So they focused because as, as a DSO, they're Pacific Dental, where there's hundreds and hundreds of locations. So they were looking at the culture of dental practices and how we maintain that. So let's pull it all together. If we're going to see more and more DSOs, how do we contribute to safety? Now, obviously, hands down, it's important to maintain membership with OSAP. 
So those that are taking the lead, such as these two dental assistants, Sherry and Stephanie, they're very active in OSAP. And these two individuals are training hundreds of safety coordinators that are taking the lead locally in these individual practices. And then think about how challenging it is. You know, if it's a solo practice with only 10 people, it's so challenging to keep everyone engaged, empowered, educated, and in compliance. But could you imagine having hundreds and hundreds of locations with thousands of employees on how challenging that must be to maintain your culture? And particularly now, during what everyone is referring to as the great resignation, it's truly difficult, Linda, to find dental hygienists, to find dental assistants. And once we get them trained, they might be moving on to another dental home. So how do we keep people? And I thought that their focus was very positive in maintaining that culture of the practice and, and keeping everyone on the same page, so to speak. And it's not just a matter of writing down a mission statement. It's really living it day to day with that organization and making everyone or allowing everyone to feel like they have a voice. So once again, with the popularity of DSOs focused on by Dr. Colmia as the generational shift, where less and less dentists are owning practices to the shift of creating that culture and really living it day to day to maintain the very valuable team members that join our organization. So Linda, that's something that really resonated with me that I wanted to share. Thank you, Olivia. That is so powerful because it is all about the culture. And as uh, all of us divas, you know, with our company and employees, part-time, full-time that we may have, it's about that culture that we, we set. So it's in every industry, uh, but it's particularly important in dentistry now, as you pointed out, because team members are getting scarcer and scarcer and folks have either left our profession or they're looking for better opportunities and they haven't found that right culture maybe in a private practice or, or maybe it's vice versa. They're leaving the DSO for a private practice. So, so that's a real key tip for our dentist listeners today, as well as any practice management, um, you know, um, focused members and listeners, office managers, practice administrators, and so forth. That's where it all resonates at the top, comes from the top down all the time with culture and safety. Uh, Leslie, I think you'd like to add to this. Yeah, Linda, you know, I attended a morning huddle with one of my clients. I have a client where I do some coaching and consulting, and I was there for observation that day and to help the office manager with compliance. And uh, the doctor said, we're going to have our morning huddle. Um, you know, it, it just takes about 15 minutes, but we'll be right with you, Leslie. And then he said, on second thought, join us for our morning huddle. And uh, they went through their usual uh, production and collections and their, you know, uh, challenges yesterday and, and the things they needed to talk about for today. And then at the end of the morning huddle, the doctor closed it by saying, is there anybody who wants to give a shout out to another team member for anything today? And I think I heard five or six team members thank others for 
little things that they did. Sherry, thank you for helping me get all the instruments into the sterilizer. Before the end of the day, I had an overwhelming amount of patience and I couldn't quite get everything processed. I really appreciate that you stepped away from your duties to help me with that. Somebody else stepped in and said, you know, uh, thank you so much for covering the phones. I know that you don't normally do that, but we had all lines ringing at the same time and I didn't want anybody to be on hold so long. And so I, after I was hearing this from all the team members, uh, it, it warmed my heart that they took the time to thank each other at the beginning of the day and get that positive, good feeling, good culture, work culture uh, going so early in the morning. And, and as I was there, I just couldn't help myself. I said to the doctor, I said, Dr. Parsa, thank you for, for uh, inviting me in and uh, on behalf of your employees for providing them with the education and the training and, and the oversight that will help them to be a more cohesive practice for you. And uh, so I think that that's a great way you could, you don't have to be a DSO to get that culture, uh, that work culture going. You can do that in smaller practices as well. Thank you, Leslie. It just goes to show how it doesn't take much outside the ordinary workflow to look for opportunities to uh, promote the culture and do small things because small things add up and you eventually get to the tipping point where it just becomes that great culture and you wonder, how do we do this? Well, you've been building all along and now you've reached the results. So thanks for sharing. Now, I know OSAP always has a great um, exhibit hall, great exhibitors that come to teach us and show firsthand with their products and um, devices, what's available. So um, Divas, can I ask anybody, did you attend the um, exhibitor hall and what could you share? Olivia? I enjoyed visiting with the man and machine and learning about their keyboard because when we're on site, and I know you see this all the time, Linda, as well as uh, all of the Divas, we notice the infraction of uh, contaminated gloves touching the keyboard. And maybe there is a barrier, but they don't change the barrier. So I really like the keyboard, how it's encased in silicone and it can withstand the disinfectant wipes to make sure that we're not breaking the chain of infection control. I also liked Uptime, Uptime Health, where they have a quality control system that's automated. I think these are definitely tools that practices need to look into to make their processes a lot simpler. So there was there were so many, Linda, that I enjoyed visiting, always uh, enjoyed looking at the Zerk trays and um, time limits me on sharing about all the booths that I enjoyed seeing. Well, thank you, Olivia. Those are two perfect examples of how technology is changing the infection control world. And I think that's awesome because it is a struggle for our team members to keep their infection control protocols and keep that keyboard um, safe and not a source of cross-contamination in the end. And Man and Machine has a great product. Leslie, where did you go? Who did you speak to at the exhibit hall? Well, the first thing I want to say about the exhibitors at OSAP is that it seems like it's a different culture at OSAP than it is when I go to a dental meeting and I go to the exhibit hall. Uh, when the exhibitors come to OSAP, they're there to educate you ra rather than to uh, push you to buy products. You know, certainly they want you to 
buy their products and talk about their products, but uh, they want also to give you not only education, but tools that you can use, sometimes PowerPoint slides and, and information samples uh, that you can use for your practice. And uh, I was particularly interested in a new product. I, I love when I find something new because uh, I can talk about that in my presentations. And uh, one thing that I found that I was particularly interested in was a very rapid biological indicator or spore test that provides a result in 20 seconds. I think this is the fastest that I've heard of. And so there was a company there, it was called trueindicating.com that, or trueindicating true products, that was their website, where they demonstrated exactly how you could uh, get your results. And they said that your results can be logged electronically. So you're actually doing this spore test with a, a little tablet into a medium and, and you can log your results using a QR code. I've fallen in love with QR codes over the last year and how efficient they are. And I think it's wonderful that, that you can make it simple and use technology, make it fast. You don't have to have any equipment. You don't have to mail anything away. Just use a QR code to log your results. I also found that there were some uh, educational opportunities for me to learn a little bit more about products as I wandered around the exhibit floor. I know that Sterosol has some great information about their dental unit waterline testing and treatment products. And uh, I spent some time with Verena Solutions where they talked a little bit about their uh, safety syringe and how uh, recapping syringes is uh very important, of course, for us that do OSHA training, uh, we have to talk about uh, one-handed scoop technique or the use of needle recapping devices and demonstrate that dental practices have uh, have evaluated safer sharps devices. So I get a lot of my information for sharing with my clients and audiences from the exhibitors at OSAB without feeling pressured to buy something like I would at a typical dental meeting. <laughs>